DMB On Demand is a love letter written to the music of the Dave Matthews Band and the eclectic family that passionately supports them. Hello, and welcome to DMB On Demand, where we explore the music of DMB and the family therein. Take a seat, get comfortable, and welcome to the best of what's around. Welcome to DMB On Demand. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, just want to break down a little bit of information for you as we head into uh, season four. So, this season we have all new guests, uh, we have a new host for our history section, and we have all new contributors for The Way I Heard It, where a person breaks down what a song means to them and their interpretation of it. Uh, just a note that we do pre-tape our episodes. Uh, we do this so it allows for a casual process in making the episodes, so you may hear references to dates, times, or events in the past, and, and that's why. It's just much easier on us to pre-record our episodes uh, ahead of the season. We do have a little bit of change to the format. Uh, before, our episodes were running long, like they could be one and a half to two hours long, and uh, you know, 10 to 12 episodes per season. So what I decided to do this year for season four is to take our interviews and if they run long, we're going to break them into two or three sections. That way, your episode length is going to be between, I would say, 45 minutes to 70 minutes, depending on how much content there is to, to pack into there. I want it to be easier to digest, so I want you to be able to listen to an episode while you're in the shower or on your commute to or from work, and you don't have to sit down and uh, give us two hours of your time. It just seems like a little much. With that being said, um, I'm pretty sure our season is going to extend from 10 episodes to 18 episodes per season. And uh, then we'll do that two or three times per year with a little bit of break in between. If you want to come on the show, uh, well, first of all, season four, with the exception of our first episode today, uh, all of the guests are people who sought us out before we reached out to people to have them come on the show. Uh, but lately, we've been getting a ton of requests uh, to come on an interview for a future episode. If you want to do that, all you have to do is go to dmbondemand.com. And on the bottom right-hand portion of the screen, there's going to be a little button that says Create With Us. Just click on that, and it'll bring you to a quick form with about 10 questions to fill out. And you'll tell us how you want to contribute. If you want to be a guest for an episode, or if you want to be a contributor for the way I heard it, or if you have new ideas of, of sections and uh, segments we can add to the episode that you want to chime in on. Anything at all. Uh, just go to dmbondemand.com and click that Create With Us 
and shoot over your basic information and, and what you're thinking, and we'll go from there. I do want to ask everybody that's listening to this, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the podcast, please, please, please leave us a rating and review. We're going into season four. Uh, we're picking up steam. I feel like we're finally getting our legs underneath us. Things are getting dialed in. Um, so now what we need is exposure and rates and reviews help tremendously in that regard. It only takes like 20 seconds. So if you can, go ahead and pause right now and leave us a rating and review. Other aspects of the brand. Uh, we now have over 800 custom DMB designs in our Etsy shop. 800 products. Um, there's probably a total of 300 100% custom DMB designs there applied on all sorts of things, shirts, flags, stickers, the whole nine. And uh, we also do custom requests. If you see something you like in the shop, but you want a fire dancer added to it, or you want names or dates added to it, or lyrics, all you have to do is give us a shout. You can go to our Etsy page and you can message us right through our Etsy page and, and, and let me know if you want any custom designs done. If it's something simple, like a fire dancer or text or whatever that only takes me, you know, two minutes to do, then it's all good. It's, it's the same price as it would be for any other design. Uh, the only time I do charge for custom designs is if I'm building something from scratch. If you tell me, here's the idea I have, here's the colors, here's the lyric, create it for me then there's there's usually a charge for that but if it's small little quick changes don't worry about it i just enjoy customizing the stuff for uh, the people who support us and uh just a, a gesture of my gratitude uh, so last thing i want to touch on is that it, it can be pretty easy to get lost with all the different facets of DMB on demand. Uh, it's hard for me to keep up with everything the shop, the site, the podcast, the posters, the pictures, the videos, the music. Uh, it goes on and on, and all the other creative things that kind of come with those conversations. So, what I did is I set up a Linktree account. And if you're not familiar with what Linktree is, basically it is a page of links. So for ours, you can go there and, and everything we do is just categorized and easy to see. And you can kind of explore the whole brand through a one-stop website. Do yourself a favor and just Hop over real quick and take a look at what I'm describing. It's a Linktree account. That's Linktree DMB on demand. So that's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash DMB on demand. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash DMB on demand. So for today's episode, our first episode of season four, I'll break down what you can expect 
before we get into it. So we're, we brought Jesse Buckman back. This young man, I cannot, I cannot say enough good things about. Um, he was our first guest on the podcast uh, way back at the first episode um, titled Good Friend, Old Soul. And he keeps living up to both of those uh, titles effortlessly. Uh, he's an amazing friend. You know, you, you meet people along the way, and sometimes they're there for a reason or a season. But then you have people who are just, they're going to be permanent fixtures in your life, in your thoughts, in your feelings. And Jesse is, is one of those for me. As a matter of fact, he was the one that I trusted when listeners started to ask um, about my story and that, you know, I, I interview each episode and we break down other people's stories, but they didn't really know me. So Jesse was the one I trusted to actually come back on um, in a later season to interview me. Um, and if you want to check that one out, it's called um, Be By Me Then from my number one favorite DMV song ever, uh, number 27. So you can go and look at a, a past episode for Be By Me Then and listen to that interview. So Jesse is coming back on today for season four, episode one. And we're just kind of catching up since the last time we spoke and, you know, chopping it up about DMB and music and, and how it's impacted our lives. We have a, a new host for our history section. It's Perry Ritter. Uh, Perry and I have known each other for years now. Uh, when I first started DMB On Demand, I didn't even know what it was going to become. There were a core group of people that were in the very first DMB On Demand Facebook group where we all where, where it started. And uh, Perry was one of those core people who have been there since day one. And uh, you know, he does his own podcast, so the quality of the audio for the history section is going to be superb. Uh, he has a really unique way of breaking down his thoughts and conveying them. It, it, and I don't mean this in a negative way. I mean it in a positive way. It's a little awkward, and it makes you want to keep hearing where he's going. So he's going to bring a breath of new life into the uh, history section. Today's segment, The Way I Heard It, um, is actually also by Perry Ritter. And he's going to cover the song, What You Are. He's going to break down what the song, What You Are, is to him and how it's impacted his life. And hope you can find some similarity and some common ground with his perspective. And finally, the music uh, for today and for the rest of season four and hopefully for the rest of the time this podcast is going, is going to be done by the incomparable Jesse Stone. Jesse Stone tweeted at me uh, with clips of him playing guitar. And, you know, we've seen so many DMB covers before, and uh, some are hits, some are missed. Um, so, honestly, I didn't, I didn't really... Uh, played him the first couple times, but eventually I did, and from the first time I heard it, I was hooked. The man is amazing, and his covers of DMB songs on the guitar, 
seems so effortless but beautiful and it's just you're gonna love the music for this season today uh jesse has played for us lion rock graves and so the little stingers you hear between sections are from that song and then you'll be hearing the the full song laid underneath part of our podcast here coming up um, in just a few seconds so with that said uh, let's get on with it. Let's let's jump right in and get going with season four. I hope you guys enjoy it just as much as I enjoyed creating it. Uh, and, and reach out with any questions, comments, or concerns you might have. That being said, let's do it. Before we get to the interview, we'll take a moment to discuss some DMB history and news. We will have links to all information presented in the notes section of the episode on dmbondemand.com. Welcome back to the history portion of DMB On Demand. I'm Perry. Uh, I'm going to be your guide through this season on DMB history. I am so excited to be chatting with you guys uh, about this. And uh, we're, of course, going to start out the first episode, the very beginning of the Dave Matthews Band. History. This is back in 1991, when Dave Matthews uh, formed a band in Charlotte's, uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. It was early 91 uh, when he decided to put some songs he had written uh, on tape, go and record a little bit of a demo himself. Uh, and instead of just recording himself with a guitar, he wanted to bring in some extra instrumental help uh, to kind of flesh out some of those, those musical ideas. Uh, and he found that in, uh, in oddly enough, uh, two folks, uh, as many of us know, Carter Beaufort on drums, of course, and then saxophonist Leroy Moore. Uh, I've never really heard of a band other than Dave Matthews uh, that has built their foundation on drums and saxophone, but here we are. It's just one of the many things that makes Dave uh, just so fascinating. Uh, and local jazz guru John Durth, who is a friend of the band, of course, uh, recommended Stefan Lassard, who at the time was uh, 16 years old and considered widely to be a musical prodigy. Uh, he joined the band on bass, of course, still being a member uh, to this day. And completing uh, the lineup at this point in time, was Peter Grissar, who played keyboard and really didn't last for very long. Uh, with the band. He was on there for a couple of years. Uh, and Boyd Tinsley on the violin. And the band's first public performance uh, and the band's first public performances uh, were at a Middle East Children's Alliance benefit at Trax Nightclub in March of 91 and at the city of Charlottesville's Earth Day Festival in April. So the first official gig for the newly conceived Dave uh, Matthews Band was May 11th, 91 uh, at a private party it was held on the rooftop of the Pink Warehouse on South Street in downtown Charlottesville, and regular gigs uh, would soon follow at two local clubs, Eastern Standard and Tracks Nightclub. Moving on to 92, the Dave Matthews Band, uh, excuse me, the Dave Matthews Band, rather, uh, began 92 with a Tuesday night residence at Tracks that continued throughout the year. Uh, word of mouth uh, about the group's unique sound very very quickly spread uh leading to a lot of popularity within the charlottesville uh and virginia markets clubs started to fill up and tours began to cover more territory 
Uh, and the fan base grew at an incredible rate uh, as the Dan Matthews Band ventured outside its native Virginia to places like North Carolina, South Carolina, Washington, D.C., uh, Pennsylvania, and New York. And this kind of brings us up to speed uh, here with 1993, where the band continued to tour up and down the eastern seaboard, playing a mixture of headline shows, supporting dates and festivals, including their first Horde dates, H-O-R-D-E. Uh, the group's fan base continued to grow at an astonishing rate, uh, and by allowing concertgoers to tape shows uh, for their own personal use and to allow them to kind of share it around uh, to their friends and family, Dave Matthews Band created what remains to this day a highly interactive community. In September, they played uh, their first show at Colorado's Red Rocks, opening for the Tragically Hip and the Samples. And two years later, DMB would actually headline this legendary venue. Uh, on November 9th of this year, 1993, DMB released their first album, Remember Two Things, on their own Bama Rags label. The album, which had been recorded live at the Muse Music Club on Nantucket Island in August of 93, debuted on the college charts as the highest independent entry, a significant accomplishment uh, really for any independent album, especially at that time. And subsequently, Remember Two Things was certified platinum. That does it for the history of this week. We'll see you guys next week for more Dave Matthews Band history. Each week, we have an intimate conversation with a member of the DMB family. We explore how the music of Dave Matthews Band and the deep bonds within the DMB family have shaped their life. We come to realize that while each story is unique and the family as a whole is diverse, we are sewn together by one common thread. The members of Dave Matthews Band and the people who make up the DMB family are simply people who love. We hope you enjoy this week's interview. Hey folks, so welcome back to Season 4 of DMB On Demand. This season, uh, compared to prior seasons where we reached out to people on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, uh, we're doing two things. One, we're interviewing people who reached out to us organically, who heard the podcast and shot us a line saying they wanted to come on. And we're also talking to a few of our guests who have been on the podcast before. Just to kind of catch everybody up on their life story, what's going on since the last time we spoke. And to talk about, of course, the music of DMB on demand. And so when thinking about who to bring on, I couldn't think of anybody better than Jesse. Um, that didn't sound right. I did not mean that the way it sounded. I, the first person I thought of was Jesse. That's a better way to say it. Um, he was our first guest on the podcast. And uh, people absolutely enjoyed uh, the, the introduction, the episode uh, to the podcast. And he's also the only one I've had on that that I I trusted, I guess, if that's the right word, to to interview me when we had a few people listening asked to know about my story a little bit and, and through the lens of DMB. So, uh, Jesse, thanks for coming back on and taking the time to catch us up and to spend a little time talking about, uh, of course, the music of DMB. So, uh Maybe just give us a, a general checkup since we talked last about what's been going on in your life, uh, job, relationship. Just give us the picture. Sure. Thanks for having me back on. 
Um, it's been quite a set of time between early 2020 when I was first on the podcast and now. feels like a decade with everything that's been going on in the world. Um, so the last time I was on the podcast, I was still an intern at a Boys and Girls Club. And since then, I was hired full-time that summer, and I've now been working here for a year and a half. And it's been an amazing growing experience for me. Um, I've learned so many new skills, made so many connections with people I never thought I would, rubbed shoulders with some amazing people, some political people, which is always fun. Um, It's also made me realize that sometimes when you start out on a project, it can seem like it's the right thing for you just because you can make it work. But that may not mean that you're happy with it. So I started to realize maybe halfway through that just because I could do what I was doing and accomplish my goals and meet deadlines didn't really mean I was happy. So I'm sort of at another crossroads in my life where I'm trying to figure out what to do next. What's my next step from my first step. Um, But some other major things that have happened since then. Last year, last September, even during COVID, um, I know I talked last time on the podcast about my long distance relationship with a lovely woman named Alondra. She lived in Chicago and I live in Massachusetts. And in September of 2020, we were able to close that gap and we are now living together in Massachusetts, which has been a difficult thing for her. Um, She put a lot of trust and faith in me to move 900 miles away from her family and her friends to start a new life over here. And during COVID, at a time when everything was closed and no one was hiring, that was very dangerous. Um, It took her a few months to find a job. She didn't really have any friends out here for quite some time, but I'm happy to say now that she's completely settled in has a great friend group, a great job, and we just rely on each other for everything. I can't even remember the distance because it feels like she's always been here. So having that, along with a full-time job, has just been a new start for me. And even though I'm trying to figure out where to go next, I really am grateful for the past year, how much it taught me. Grateful for my friendship with you, Drew, and all that you have taught me. Everything I've been able to do for you, you've done for me. Um, It's just a great friendship that we have that I feel really transcends everything that we've gone through. And I'm honored to be back on the podcast. Fantastic. And yeah, the the same sentiments uh, are returned to you. Uh, You've been uh, a really good friend and consistent and always there and... uh, helped however you can and and it's greatly appreciated i try not to ask too much of people i prefer to be the one uh giving whatever whatever it is time whatever um but when i do need to ask for an honest opinion or um, some feedback that may not be emotionally biased uh you're you're the first person i reach out to and uh, there's a connection there that's that's strong talking about your work a little bit about thinking it's what you should be doing, but maybe not happy with it. 
when those times come around and you have those days where you're reminded of uh, maybe it's not what you enjoy doing, how do you how do you deal with that? How do you cope with that and then keep going and stay focused on the bigger picture? It's really tough to get through that sometimes. Um, there have been a lot of downs and a lot of highs at this job, but there have been a lot of downs where I've felt sometimes useless at certain times where I've just felt like I can't meet the deliverables that have been set forward for me. Um, I would certainly say that having Alondra here living with me has been amazing. I don't know a lot of 23-year-olds that are living full-time with their partners, um, which can sound scary to some people, but for me, always going home and knowing that she would be there has been just phenomenal for me. Um, more recently, it's DMB concert season, so getting to go and take a break from the workplace and go enjoy a concert from them is amazing. So far, we've been to SPAC and A Night in Chicago, both of which were amazing. Um, just knowing that we purchased those tickets ahead of time, so just knowing that that was on the horizon, like, oh, work today kind of sucks, but in 28 days, I'll be seeing DMB again. That really helped me. So it's really helped me to have something in focus in the distance that I know I'm going to love and just count down the days towards that. That's awesome. I, uh, I was able to see DMB this year as well. We went both nights in Irvine, California. We're still here in California for a few more months. And then in uh, March, I think we're going to be done traveling and either going home or going someplace closer to home. Uh, where Deer Creek will be our home venue. And what we saw in this year, and a highlight for me was when the first six notes of the song number 27 came on. And I was not expecting to hear that song. I looked at the song history and it was spotty at best showing up in live shows. Um, so when I heard the, dun, 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 the, first, the first four to six notes, I lost my mind. Um, and it brought me back to the reality of where I was because that song brings me right back to my teens and early 20s when I was living a life that was, it was just out there and uh, I had, didn't have the help I needed and I was spinning and there was all this chaos and turmoil going on inside. And that song kind of reminded me it's okay to live with that turmoil. So you don't have to run from it. It's okay. You can embrace it. You know, sick of war, sick of peace, sick of sound, sick of silence. It's okay to be that conflicted as long as you're on your way home. And in the song, the way home is to the arms of a woman. And it just so happened that years later, uh, I found my home in the arms of my wife. So when I heard that come on at uh, Irvine, I just lost my mind. And uh, it was it was an amazing memory to have. And my wife was right there with me. Were there any songs? Um, in SPAC or Chicago that you weren't expecting to hear but suddenly came on? Well, it's funny you mentioned number 27 because that actually was played at SPAC. And I'm sure you remember I grabbed my phone right away and texted you and was like, I can't believe this, <laughs> yep. which yep. is awesome. Um, we got to hear The Stone too at SPAC, which was awesome. 
seriously awesome as well. Um, I think this year they've just been really killing it with introducing songs that they haven't played all that often. They even played Sugar Will at SPAC, which got to say, I wasn't expecting that. Oh, wow. So, wow. They have just been really killing it and switching it up this year, and I've just been really impressed by set lists that are coming out. Absolutely, and it's nice to hear um, some new songs too. They got the new album coming up, and to hear a couple of those songs played live was was really nice. Sometimes, sometimes it's nice to hear music that you don't know every syllable to, and you are there and you're not singing along so much. You're just experiencing the music and what it's doing to you, and, and that's kind of what it does with new music. Uh, no matter what concert I'm at, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, so when talking to Jesse about coming on, I asked him uh, to list a couple songs that kind of stick out to him now, um, that kind of break through the, the filter and barrier and are really hitting him, you know, in the moment. And uh, Lie in Our Graves, Warehouse, and Every Day. Uh, but knowing Jesse as I do, the one that I'm curious the most about is Every Day. Um, I kind of want to know what your interpretation of everyday is and how you use the message of it in your daily life. So for me, everyday really makes me think about that one special person we all have that just lifts us up time after time. I think it's a song about courage, the people we love, and the power they hold in helping us get through the tough times. Um, I mentioned earlier that having my girlfriend here every night to come home to has been just a godsend for getting me through tough times. Um, she is the light that lifts me up no matter what I'm feeling. And we felt some pretty strong sense of that when we were long distance over the phone, but there's nothing compared to you know, coming home, shrugging off your jacket, opening the door, and there's just that smiling face there waiting for you. That person that trusts you with their life and cares so much about you. Just that song in general, um, lift me up love from the bottom up to the top, love every day. And I like that the emphasis is, the emphasis is on every day because it's not just once or twice. It's a consistent love and light that lifts you up and helps you get through exactly what you need to go through. Um, as a concert goer, just hearing everybody sing Honey, Honey, Come and Dance with Me has been the highlight of any concert I go to, which the past few ones I've been to have had every day on the set list, which was super cool. Any song that allows the audience to join in and sing together just it adds to the unity of the lyrics, I really think. So it's just, it's one of my favorite songs just because it always reminds me of the way that my girlfriend is able to lift me up no matter what. Very nice. Um, well, let's jump to Lion Art Grace because that's one that, that I've been listening to a lot recently and it makes me really thankful uh, to be alive, no matter what experience I'm currently having. And it also reminds me to let some stuff go when it asks, would you not like to be sitting on top of the world with your legs hanging free? 
it's a good reminder to me to uh, not get so wrapped up in my own uh, negativity is not the word, just my, my own bullshit, things that don't really matter that I still choose to cling on to, that I have to let that go if I'm going to experience any sort of release and growth. Uh, so maybe tell us a little bit about lying our graves, if it has a message for you, a specific message for you, uh, what that message is, and again, uh, how you apply that in your day-to-day -day life. Yeah, I think you nailed it right on the head there when you were talking about how it makes you feel so proud to be alive and just living in the moment. I chose that song to talk about because, like I said, there have been some really tough days that I've gone through. Um, but time after time, when I listen to Lie in Our Graves, I just have to think of how much of a blessing it is just to be alive each day. There was a time where I kind of slipped into day after day, Go to work, go home, go to work, go home. And I started to realize that life was passing me by and I wasn't enjoying it. You know, just because I was having some conflict, just because I was going through something, I wasn't taking the time to feel how my shoes were hitting the floor every day. The real beauty that I exist in this place. You know, even right now, as my feet are touching the carpet, just feeling that solid that solidness of my body existing. That's something I think we take for granted. Um, I think it's easy to just let it pass us by and not realize how special it is that we are here. We matter and we make a difference in other people's lives, which is the easiest thing to forget. That we make a difference in other people's lives just by existing and just by being around them. Um, my favorite thing about my workplace is the fact that it really feels like a family. Um, I didn't work too many jobs in college that really felt like that. A lot of the jobs I worked in college were sit by the phone, answer it, file these papers for me, sit in this tiny office by yourself. But I work with such a close-knit group of people that remind me every day that I have an impact and that I should treasure the life that I have. And that song really just hits home for me in understanding that life is a gift and we should all really enjoy it while we're here and enjoy letting our legs hang free. And I also want to mention, side note, we had a Dave Matthews tribute band come to visit us in our tiny town, which never happens, and they had a violin. And I got to hear a violin on Lie in Our Graves for the first time ever because I'm such a young DMB fan, I didn't get to see them live until after Boyd Tinsley left the group. Um, so that was awesome. So just a side note for that. Speaking of DMB cover bands, I want to take a second to give somebody a shout. Um, about two, maybe three months ago, I started getting these tags on Twitter and it was this guy uh, playing guitar for 30 seconds. It wasn't long at all, 30 to 60 seconds. And, you know, the first two times I, I kind of scrolled past it, didn't think anything of it, just looked like somebody was tagging me and a lot of other DMB people and didn't pay much of mind to it. And then after the third or fourth time, 
um, I decided to click play. And when I clicked play, my mind was just blown away. Uh, the guy, his name is Jesse Stone. He's actually the one doing the music uh, for season four on the podcast. He does the intro song and then the little stingers between each segment. And the man can play the guitar like Dave Matthews better than anybody I've ever seen my whole life. And not only that, he breaks down the philosophy of the technique and the meaning behind the guitar work. And it's just, it's fascinating. His name is Jesse Stone. And on the show notes for this episode, I'm going to put a link to his uh, Twitter where he posts daily, uh, 30 seconds of DMB. And then he also is starting up, well, a handful of us are trying to get him to start up a YouTube channel uh, because those short little snippets, they can be a nice break from reality. And uh, building a YouTube page where people can go and find more when they want it instead of scrolling through a Twitter feed just seems like the logical next step. But point is, he is an amazing musician and uh, I've seen a lot of DMB cover bands and I've seen some good ones. I've seen some ones that were okay, but I've never seen anybody play guitar like he does. And he doesn't keep just to the hits. He'll, he throws out some songs that, you know, I haven't heard in forever, but uh, give Jesse Stone a, a shout and let him know what you think of his songs. And I'll, I'll link to his Twitter and YouTube on the episode page. So the final song is one of my favorites. Uh, it's Warehouse. That's the song where back when I first started getting into DMB, there were no smartphones. I think we had flip phones at the time, but no smartphones. And so you couldn't just pull up Apple Music or Google Music and hit play and then read the lyrics as it went along with it. No, no, no. Uh, you either were looking inside of the CD case at the CD cover and hope that they put lyrics there or you print them out. And in my case, I printed them out. So I remember vividly being at work one night. And at this point, I still had trouble understanding the way Dave Matthews sang. He has a weird Yoda-like presentation in his lyrics, uh, you know, which you not like to be. I could, I could think of 10 other ones where it's Yoda-like and I couldn't understand it. So I had to follow along. Warehouse came on and I said, you know what? I'm just going to stop. I'm going to listen. I'm going to figure this shit out. So I did and I understood the song. And then it was like this veil had been lifted from my eyes where before I couldn't, or from my ears, I should say, or before I couldn't follow them organically. Once I deciphered that song and I, I finally got it, then I could hear every single lyric he sang just fine. It's the weirdest thing, but it's what turned me on from being a fan to being um, just absolutely in adoration of the lyricism behind the work or behind the music. So Warehouse has always held a special place to me. And uh, I have a second story about Warehouse, but I don't want to, to step over uh the interview process. So Jesse, why don't you speak on warehouse for a little bit? And then um, if my story gels in, I'll, I'll follow up with it, but I want to hear since the song means so much to me, I'm really curious to hear what that song uh, means to you personally, how you've interpreted the song. Uh, it's, it's always fascinating to hear, you know, sometimes it's different, sometimes it's the same, but I'm always fascinated about what people think and how this song has impacted them. 
So Warehouse for me is kind of similar to the Lie in Our Graves message I was talking about, about enjoying your life. But for me, it dives deeper into the idea of the grass is always greener on the other side. Dreaming of an alternate reality where maybe you're happier, maybe you made a different choice, um, anything that's different. And I just picture while I'm listening to that song, dreaming about being in an otherworldly place that feels better, that seems better, where everything is green and everything is beautiful. But then coming to the reality that you already are in that place. Um, and I think there's a lot of references to heaven and otherworldly areas in that song that make you think that you can dream of a place that is better than your own, but when you really look around at nature, at the earth, at the beauty of our surroundings, beauty of love, beauty of the society we've built together, we are in the paradise that we're seeking. And I know that sounds a little philosophical, but I have the unique privilege of living in nature. Um, we live up on a mountain and I work in the city, so I get to go down the mountain and up the mountain every day. Um, and there's just such a shift as I go up that mountain, get away from all the houses, all the buildings, all the cars, and just drive down a nice little lane full of trees, get to take a walk in the woods on the weekends, go hiking. When you step away from all the factories, and the loud cars, it just makes you feel so appreciative of where we live, of the planet we live on. Um, and that's really what warehouse means to me. It means realizing that we live in paradise already and we don't need to dream about another one. Um, but I also chose that song because of an experience I've had at the DMB concerts this past year. Um, Every single time that Warehouse has been played, which it's been at two of the three concerts I've been to, the crowd changes. You know, everybody's clapping to the other songs, everybody's singing along, but once that instrumental comes on for Warehouse, everybody's dancing. I mean, everybody. We were at SPAC, and if you're familiar with SPAC, there's a couple bridges that go up over the crowd to get into the main arena. And there were people dancing on the bridges, holding their beers above their head to not spill it, just dancing and singing. It's like the entire crowd just becomes one all at once, just from one song. And what really struck me is, um, if you've heard my story from the first podcast, I lost my father at a young age, and my father was the person who introduced me to DMB. And I turned to my left during that warehouse dance party at SPAC. And there was a father twirling his son in the air around him. And the son just looked so happy. He was vibing to the music with his dad, dancing, having that unique moment. It just reminded me of what could have been in my childhood. But I'm able to look at that and just be appreciative that that young boy gets to have that experience that he'll live with forever. And I feel my dad with me at those concerts, just as that. So for me, Warehouse, you know, it's about the lyrics, but it's also about the experience of the concert goer and 
just what a force it is at any concert. Yeah, so you mentioned heaven in your interpretation of the song, which uh, it does fit what I wanted to talk about um, since it came up organically, I will. Warehouse to me is just an amazing song altogether. Just like you said, when it's played live, people just get just get up and dance and it's it's amazing. And I like that they're going back to the woo version in the intro to have the audience interact. Uh, I, I know a lot of people don't necessarily like that intro, but I, I, I like it, especially live. I like it. Um, but there's a, uh, well, as listeners will probably know, uh, especially from season three with all the dialogue we had about spirituality and how the music applies to it. Um, and growing up a devout Catholic, I'm now a former Catholic, but I, I grew up deep in the Catholic faith. It's easy for me to be drawn to the spiritual lyrics inside of a song. And that's just not with DMB. It's with everybody. Um, and it, it could be that only I'm hearing it that way. And it's fine. So be it. Uh, but there is a, a part of Warehouse that, you know, I could make an illustration online easily. But you hear me paint in a brush, and I am there's just nothing. There, there's just nothing. And I always wished I could paint specifically for this mental picture of in this song. So there's this warehouse, and it's bare and empty, and it's very foreign and scary. And uh, suddenly, that warehouse that all this contemplation is going on in starts to rise, and it rises, 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 rises. And we know that it's risen because he looks at God in the face and says, that's our blood down there. So you know he's, he's talking to something in this warehouse that is lifted above the earth. And the first thing he said is, that's our blood down there. And it seems poured from the hands of angels. What, what the amount of backbone you would have to have to come face to face with God. And instead of asking questions about yourself or, or the meaning of life or any of the traditional concepts, the, the reaction is to hold them accountable. That's amazing. Um, so it goes on. It seems poured from the hands of angels, but trickled into the ground. It leaves the warehouse bare and empty. So here's the blood again, going into the ground, poured from the hands of his angels and, and the people down there are just left wondering, bare and empty with all these questions. And it concludes with, well, it concludes a section within my heart's number of beats still echo in this empty room. He's realizing that even though he's talking to God and trying to get answers, uh, it he's still stuck in this warehouse. And I just, it's always been so vivid to me. Uh, this this warehouse lifting into the sky, face to face with God, and the thing you do is you hold him accountable from the blood that his angels have poured onto the ground. I just, I'll never understand, ever, how Dave Matthews comes up with these songs and lyrics that you can listen to and then move to your left a little bit and have a totally different impression, move to your right a little bit and have a totally different impression. And you can ask a thousand people about the song 
And even though the answers will slightly be different, the core of it, we're all connected. I can tell you that having done this podcast for four seasons now, there is a connection between the people who's impacted by this music. And uh, Warehouse, I've always been captivated by by people's you know interpretation of it simply because it was so vivid to me as well. Um, so one thing I wanted to ask you about, Jesse, is right now uh, there is a there is pe- people are going through a rough time in general, and they have been. We can pretty much call twenty twenty a lock, like it, it hit twenty twenty hit a lot of us like a load of bricks right to the face. Uh, yeah, COVID, and then you have people losing their jobs, and and they can't be around family and friends. Their support system is cut off, uh, and they're worrying about Christmas. I'll tell you, you know, we're getting ready to start the DMB Christmas gift exchange. Uh, me and DMB Mamas did it last year for the for the first time, and and we liked we loved doing it, but we only started like a couple weeks before, so only about twenty five people got in. Uh, but this year we're starting to promote it next week. And we reached out first to a handful of people who were involved last year. And two of those people couldn't, couldn't afford to take part in it. And it's a $25 gift that took me back. And, and then when I heard the stories of why they couldn't, you know, one lost their job, can't find another one. Uh, one, <laughs> one, Lost his job. They have two kids. Lost his job. And the week that he lost his job, suddenly his wife said that she couldn't take it anymore. She left him. And it, we, we were able to set it up to where they could still be involved with the gift exchange. But my point is, is that the last year and a half has really wrecked a lot of people's lives. With that being said, it is very likely that more than a few of our listeners will be going through something similar. So for those that are going through something similar and life has just, you know, knocked them out on their butt, would you have a song that you would have them listen to? Uh, and why would you have them listen to that particular song? That's a very good question. Um, so just speaking on that need that you've been speaking about, um, the change that's been happening because of the pandemic, I have to acknowledge that I'm very lucky that I'm employed. Um, I realized that during the pandemic that to be employed at all right now, to have job stability is a gift. Um, so I recognize that I'm very privileged in that, but... My job, part of my job is researching um, the need of my city because I write funding proposals on behalf of the children we serve. I might write um, a funding proposal to a funder to cover our meal program that delivers free meals to kids in the community um, or after school homework help program. So I have to, on a daily basis at work, face the research that is coming out about how families are struggling. Um, 
one of the things that really troubled me is that the unemployment rate in my city jumped nearly 15% at the onset of the pandemic, and it still has not gone down to normal levels. People are struggling now more than ever. There are families that are going to food banks for the first time who have never been to one, don't know the process. They were fine before, but then the pandemic hit, and now they can't make ends meet. It's tough. It's a really, really tough time. Um, if I thought of a song that I would recommend to people to help them get through this, it would probably be Cry Freedom, which might seem like a weird choice, but it's the first song that came to mind because it really feels to me like a cry out for a collective push to get to better days. You know, hands and feet are all alike. And whenever I listen to that song, it makes me think of how collectively we join together during difficult times to get to better times. You know, after 9-11, we saw this surge of unity. Pandemic brought us together as much as it pushed us apart because it leveled us. We were suddenly all in the same situation, all trying to make ends meet. And I would highly recommend Cry Freedom to just Listen to it and think on the fact that better days are on the horizon. And right now we are all in this together. Pandemic's not over. The research I'm seeing, it's getting worse for kids. Not on the infection side, but on the amount of loss of learning that they've gone through. There are reports that say that kids, I don't know about other places, but here um, we had to shift to remote learning where kids couldn't go to school, they had to learn from their laptops, so suddenly and without warning that kids have lost an entire year's worth of grade-level skills in math and reading. Kids are a year behind. And we've seen, just at our Boys and Girls Club, kids who refused to even open the computer during that time. There were kids who said, if I can't be in a classroom, I'm not going to open the computer and I'm not going to learn. And those kids were left behind. And I think now more than ever, we need to collectively come together and keep fighting to get to that horizon where COVID is not the major player that it is right now. Times are getting better. We got to admit we're better than we were last April or May. And we got to keep fighting for that. So I would recommend Cry Freedom. I think that's a a really good choice, and and your reasoning for it is is perfect. Uh, there's a a part in that song that has always stuck out to me, and that's look. I know it's cliche to say that you know the answers are inside of you, but really anything positive that comes out of your world is, is from your doing. It's, it's brought out from you. It's the choices you make. It's how you react to tragedy. It's, it's, it's in you. You can't look for this sort of stuff in, in possessions. You'll never find it. You can't look for it 
and people because in the end of the day, you have to make these decisions for yourself. They can help support it, but you have to look inside. And so there's, there's this line in the song that always stuck out to me with, with that notion. So there was a window and by it stood a mirror in which he could see himself. He thought of something, something he had never had, but hoped would come along. And just like Jesse broke down with what's going on and how we have to approach this with our mentality, I think also we need to look inside of ourselves. There is a, a lot more courage and love and forgiveness and passion inside each person then we would know what to do with. We have to choose to accept it, choose to see it, and then choose to do something with it. And that is what is going to make for a a life worth living. Uh, so I totally agree with your breakdown of that song. And I would just add to it, look inward. Um, I'm not saying look inward to blame yourself for anything. I'm saying look inward for the attributes that you already have. Maybe you didn't know you had them. Maybe you're scared to use them because it's a foreign feeling. But I'm telling you, you have those attributes. Um, and, and you need to use them to make the life that you want to live. Nothing's going to happen instantaneously. It's a series of correct choices that makes a good life and good reactions, I think, because especially when you think about COVID and these situations that are out of control, it's still up to us how we react to them. I think we need to choose courage. I think we need to choose forgiveness. Um, those are two good starting points. Well, I think that about does it for this episode. Jesse, <clears throat> listen, just like I said, when we first came on, um, when when there's ever anything that comes to mind with the podcast, whether it be who we're going to interview for a specific season or if I need feedback on some content or designs, you, you're my first person I go to. Um, and I love you for a whole bunch more than just that. Um the connection is real and uh, it's hard to find these days. So thank you. Uh, thank you for coming on again. Uh, thank you for breaking down three of DMB's songs and, and sharing uh, what life has been like since you were on the first time. Uh, I'm, I'm certain that we'll have you back again on the podcast um, in, a, in a season down the road. And uh, I just, Thanks, man. That's all. Just thank you. Well, hey, from all of us, I think we first have to congratulate you for reaching season four of this podcast, which is an amazing feat. You know, this has been your project of love, and I've seen you approach it from a viewpoint of love and compassion. Every interview you've done, just everything you've done for this podcast and the DMB community as a whole, we owe you a lot of gratitude. And just thank you for being there for me whenever I need you. You're my brother, and I just really appreciate having you in my life. Thank you for everything. And once again, congratulations on reaching such an amazing milestone. And I look forward to hopefully being on the podcast again and later down the line as this project continues to grow. One final note, folks. Um, 
If you go to the episode page, whether you're on dnbondemand.com slash podcast or if you're on Apple Music or Google, whatever the case may be, go and look at the show notes and there will be some links to uh, Jesse's social media so you can give him a follow and, and, and keep up on, on how life is, is going for him. Other than that, we will see you here next week for episode two. Uh, episode two will be a uh, new guest, not a returning one, uh, somebody that reached out to us and asked to be on the show. And after reading their uh, form that they fill out prior to, I can tell you it's going to be um, an emotional episode. So stick around for that next week. Uh, until then, make the best of what's around. Welcome to the final segment for today, The Way I Heard It. We know there is such diversity within the DMB family, or community, and for this reason alone, there will be differences in how we all interpret the music and the lyrics. Each week, we select a song and ask several fans to break down the song the way they heard it. Take a listen. Perhaps you would have heard the song in the same way, or perhaps you'll find a new appreciation of the song discussed. Enjoy! So. Here we are. Back yet again, talking about another Day Matthews song, of course. This time, I wanted to bring up one of my more recent favorites, but one that has always kind of been rumbling around in my brain for, I mean, forever. Ever since I've been a Day Matthews fan. That's What You Are um, from the Everyday album, of course. Uh, written by Dave and Glenn Ballard. Uh, songwriter credit at the very least but uh, featured Dave on his baritone six string uh, which is one of my favorite weapons in Dave's arsenal that he likes to bring out from time to time and uh, it seems to be one of those songs that <laughs> or one of those types of songs that Dave has um, where he knows that to be as bombastic as he needs to be to be as big and loud and as affirmative as he is during this song, uh, he needs something that's going to be a little bit grittier, a little bit heavier. And that's where that that baritone guitar, which is uh, tuned down to a, a low B instead of the low E. I know this is getting a little technical for folks, but uh, it's, it's just a deeper, growlier sound uh, from Mr. Matthews, of course. But it's not exactly what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about how I heard this song, and this one in particular is just a, it's, it's a beast of a song, and it's something that I, <laughs> I, I, like, I, I feel like on first listen, and on subsequent listens, at least, you know, for the first few, few times you hear it, you're like, oh, I get it, you know, it's, it's generally just kind of a, not necessarily condemnation of, religion but just trying to find common ground b between the fact that we don't all agree on things and i i think this is a really good explanation a really good defining song if you are looking for an explanation of what dave believes um and he's agnostic, uh, which means that he, of course, believes that there is a 
higher power, but not necessarily one particular one or the other. Um, and I, I think this is something, this is something that I've really taken to heart with Dave's music, especially over the past couple of years. And it's something that, um, has kind of shaped, uh, I, I guess my belief system in the way that I think about how other people function and think as well. And it's just that there is a common ground between us. And despite the fact that we don't all agree with each other on religion and politics and yada, 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 the things you don't want to bring up at a dinner party. If people still have dinner parties, of course, but this is, I, it, it, it's, it's so funny to me and not funny in a, like a haha way, but just seeing the artistry that is present within the song, because it sounds like he is being, so negative and so angry and so full of vitriol throughout this song and it's basically you know the the music that's behind it the the uh the harmony behind it but it's it's not that at all it's almost like a a hopeful song and and despite the fact that there are moments where he says you're a puzzle to me and and there's confusion it's not necessarily that he's so puzzled by it that he can't find a place of agreement or find a place for himself to you know relate with other people on a very human level no it's it's quite uh it's it's really quite a moving piece about what it means to just be a person and to have mutual relationships that I uh, don't necessarily end in agreement, but they end in a way that says, well, I exist, you exist. It's better for us to agree on the, you know, 75% of things that uh, that we share common ground with and just kind of forget about the 25% of things or 50-50 or, you know, depends on who you are. And And this is truly something that I try to incorporate into my, my life, into my daily going ons uh because i know that i mean it's just it, it's it's so hard to agree with anybody all the time all the time i didn't say that quite right but you know what i mean it, it's just um it, it, it's not a constant feeling that we are able to have uh with with people and i i think too that um there's there's part of this song and and I this is of course the way that I heard it but there's a there's a part of this song that almost feels biographical autobiographical um for Dave and um it's almost like his because he was raised Quaker right so he he was raised essentially um as as a Christian and there's this even just like the early part of the song I walk into this room all eyes on me now, but I do not know the people inside. It's it's kind of like his realization that he doesn't want to be a part of this thing that he was kind of raised with and something that he uh, knew just with a very deep personal understanding for most of, if not all of his life and um not necessarily an awakening. I don't think that's the right word for it. I think it's less of an awakening and more of just a um 
uh, coming to terms with who you are as a person and the things that you believe and um it's it's something that we all kind of grow to know and understand the older that we get um that not everything is exactly the way that our our parents told us or that our teachers told us or that our uh ministers and principals and professors and the the people that we consider to have the higher power that it's just not that easy and it's not that easy for us to go along with things that they said and it's just part of i believe the human experience to genuinely and and just authentically question things uh and i think this is just not it's not just us seeing dave's journey of questioning it's also just it like i said before his acknowledging that he and i or he and you and just you know whomever he comes across may not fall under the same category of believers or non-believers um but it's i i think that i've kind of pigeonholed myself here with just talking about religion because again i do believe that it's got just a a lot of emotion rooted in being human and and understanding mistakes and thoughts and feelings and um it it finally gets to the bridge and i golly i love this bridge so much uh what you are is the beast in the lover's arms what you are is the devil in the sweet sweet kiss uh what you are is missing a piece what you are is a puzzle to me um and that seems to be this reckoning between uh, what we we see as um, sin, I guess, uh, what is commonly referred to as sin, uh, and the the way that we kind of grow to understand that other people, uh, as I like to put it, are wired differently uh, than than we are, um, and I I think that a lot of Dave's uh, emotion and a lot of what we really do kind of see from this song in particular uh it comes through a little bit more when it's performed live uh i i think that he kind of let goes let's go a little bit excuse me and tends to uh be a little bit more emotional uh on stage and once we get into the dave speak aspect of things it feels slightly more slightly more uh pointed in terms of criticism and arguments but uh i i, I think that that's something else that we all deal with the you know we can say <laughs> that we're compassionate and understanding and we have these thoughts and feelings and everything and then you know we do kind of reach our breaking point and i think that that's something that dave uh definitely expresses within the song especially once it gets to be live so i genuinely love this song um it it, it ever ever since i said i wanted to talk about this one uh it's been rattling around in my brain for a while uh and it's one of those i just can't get enough of i think the song um is if we're breaking it down this way a tier <laughs> dave matthews songs um just just spectacular really great writing really great instrumentation here uh just an overall fantastic performance both live and in the studio We want to give a special thanks to our guests and co-contributors for this episode of the podcast. Without your valuable contributions, we wouldn't be able to continue. 
We hope that you've enjoyed our deep dive into the music of DMB and the community that supports them. You can find us on all social media platforms by searching DMB On Demand. Visit us on dmbondemand.com for DMB-related merch and to learn more about DMB On Demand. Until next time, don't burn the day away.